Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10 piece Wick Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. Sup. I'm Justin. I'm Sup. Pete. Sup. Okay. Sup. 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 Bu- bud. E. No. Wise. Wise. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what we're doing? We're doing the frogs? That's yeah. yeah. <laughs> what we're doing all of them. What's up? We're doing Budweiser. Okay. What I, were you doing? You, I, was uh, doing you, I said Bud. <laughs> said I was e. doing the Bud Knight, the Game of Thrones thing that they did. Oh, right, right. Oh, uh, wow. On the stack, we don't talk about Budweiser. We talk about we a don't. bunch of comics. We don't. We, we do. talk about we a do a little. We do a little bit. Yeah. We talk about a bunch of comic books. Kick it off with The Nice House on the Lake, number one from DC Comics, written by Ooh, James wow. Tyler IV, art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. This is a, a big comic, huge release here that is uh, made. Bueno is what it is. It, bueno. It's made Muy mega bueno. sales. Um, I'll tell you what. I Tell us what. I didn't know much going into this book other than I like the team that was on it. It is 100% not what I expected for the book. I thought it was going to be like a Cabin in the Woods style horror movie with back, you know, hillbillies and whatever, just based on the title. It is not that. It is something much more. And not only did I love this book, but as a little corollary to it, I think there's at least a little bit of it is James Tynan trying to get his Jonathan Hickman on. Ooh. Interesting. Watch what do you mean by that? Don't don't sully Tynan. So right. he's got the text boxes explaining stuff. He's got the text mm-hmm. pages. He's got sure. heady sci-fi ideas in there, but it has James Tynan's way of really grounding it emotionally with these characters with these high stakes uh, so, scenarios. Someone puts a little text box on there and then you're like, oh, look what you're doing. You're copying somebody else? Come on. Yes. I, I will you're say the, des- that. the design... Not, not, copying, not copying. Inspired by. The design and the iconography, I didn't catch it before, but I do think it, it reminds me of some of the Hickman stuff. But I, I didn't think that reading this, I just thought this was a great, super thorough yeah. like new story that, I mean, James Tynan the fourth is just... He all of his work lately. I feel we've been sort of like crushing it on this podcast for sure. Like Department of Truth, one of the best books on the stands right now. And this is just like another doorway into this great, interesting it's story one. world. It's we got another. We got a red ball, and uh, it's just a good. It's just a good story. Good comic. keys, keys, keys. Did you have anything to say about the book, Pete? No, I'm just going to do DJ Khaled references. Um, 
Yeah, no, I was impressed. I'm not a horror fan, but I really love the setup of this. I thought it was like uh, uh, very cool and very uh, intricate, and the art was just fantastic, brought us into this world. Um, yeah, I'm scared, and I'm in. And I know we're not really mentioning much about the plot here, but I think one of the joys of the book is discovering it as yes. you're reading it. And this is undoubtedly a must read. You absolutely should pick this up. Don't read anything about it. Just pick up the book, read it, and you're going to love it. It's the book wow. of the week. If you're a fan of um, houses and lakes, especially the movie Lake House, which we talk about a lot in our <laughs> yeah, podcast we do. universe, yeah, we do. Uh, definitely, definitely no. pick this up. Yeah, put your junk in the mailbox. Iron Man Annual Number 1 from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Abraham uh, Roberson. This is kicking off the Infinite Destinies crossover that's happening through all of Marvel's annuals. Um, here, as you can figure out from the title, we're getting Iron Man getting a tip-off from Miles Morales about a big villain goes after them. And it eventually loops back to the current plot in Marvel Comics that the uh, Infinity Stones, I guess they're stones now, right? In the they 100% well. are. Yeah. yeah. Are basically finding hosts and giving them powers. And we've seen some of them already. We've seen Star, who has the reality stone. There's another guy who's like Quick Timer, something like that. I don't remember what his I name is. I think his name is Quick Timer. That's 100% right. <laughs> no one would argue that. And we're going to find out more about that and the new status of the Infinity Stones throughout this event. What do you think about this annual? Well, oh. I, I just thought the beginning was adorable. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes you want to get with your buddies and just go live that Seinfeld life. You know what I mean? Like, walk around New York City, dumping ketchup and mustard all over your face and eating hot dogs and being like, I, I want to live Seinfeld's life. Uh, we were talking about there's a great little intro bit where um, Miles Morales and Tony Stark are fighting some Moloids who are tourists um, because the generation of Moloids above them got to actually take down New York and they haven't. So they just want to come experience it. Super fun. Taking the Sex in the City bus tour. Really great choices. Um, I thought this story was great. Really rooted in a lot of stuff that's been happening in uh, the Miles Morales book um, with the assessor and just a great Iron Man story. The Infinity uh, Stone stuff. Um, Overtime is the dude that has the time uh, time stone. I he's, believe his name is Quick Timer. Yeah, he's a Quick Time <laughs> player. I believe is his name. Yeah, yeah, Quick Time uh, player. And the the stuff is it's interesting. I like this. This feels like the um, the book way back in the day. The uh, where the Infinity Stones were split. The, the Infinity Gems back then were split up amongst uh, Warlock and his uh, buddies. The Infinity oh, Watch right, book. Right, yeah. Warlock and the Infinity Watch. Love that book. This is a little bit more complicated because. Each of the stones is uh, hooked together in this circuit thing, which is confusing. Am I the only one that feels like this thing is a little... They're like, uh, if you want to have the uh, time stone, it's powered by the user's mastery of space. So it's like very much a connectivity thing as opposed to just like, I have this cool rock. I mean, as far as I know, this was set up by a friend of the show, Jordan D. White, who came up with... Whoa! Uh, potentially with some writers, yeah. Uh, this Sick idea mustache, of this that guy. Thing. He's super into uh, very complicated board games. And this feels like that. Yes. It feels like it's a Settlers of Catan thing, potentially. Wow. It, it, not, a, not necessarily a bad way, but I, I agree with you. I'm like... They are stones and they give power. Let me watch yeah. them on my TV show comic book. But yeah. it's okay <laughs> to make like, them more complicated. And what I like about it is it really makes sense why they add, they amount to 
the power of the Infinity Gauntlet. Because if you have all of them, they're all actually feeding into each other and Mm -hmm. you create, as they say in the back of the book, a circuit. Um, But what do you think if they were gems and now they're stones? Are we worried that these rocks are are growing? Mm. They're getting bigger. Gems to stones. What's next? Boulders? Ooh, that's going to be hard. Well, they're going from the righteous gems to the righteous gemstones is what's going Mm. on. That's Oh, it's a tie-in with um, Mm -hmm. the HBO show. Season two of the HBO show coming back soon, filming right now. I think eventually Walton Goggins is going to get all of the Infinity Stones. Well, I was was hoping you were tying it into Gem, who, as we all know, is truly outrageous. These are all great comments on this comic book you should pick up. Next up, Crush and Lobo, number one from DC Comics. Let the applause die down a little bit. Written by Mariko Tabaki, <laughs> art by <laughs> Aman K, Nahul Pan. Pete, you, you clearly love this book. What's going on? Uh, well, uh, we don't know. He might have been applauding out of hatred. We don't know yet exactly no, what no, is no, up. No, Let see, him interpret his applause. I'm very excited. This is a, a fun new way to kind of come at Lobo, uh, where Lobo still gets to be the kind of like evil, evil, crazy Lobo that we know and love. But having Crush kind of be the kind of in here is very interesting to see their kind of relationship. And just to be clear, if you haven't read the book, Crush is the sea turtle from Finding Nemo. Go ahead, Pete. Well, no, <laughs> no, don't give people wrong information. <laughs> Crush is the orange soda. Go ahead, Pete. N- nope, still not. That's that's true, but not one of those. About. One of those one, has to yeah, be right. I, I think that's right. I didn't read the book, but go ahead. You should. We're doing a podcast about the book, so we should. If you say, want to take some time and read it, that's fine. Okay. Crush is Lobo's daughter. Yes, uh, thank you. And thank she's, you. Uh, I actually like this book as well. Um, fun yeah! character. We're getting some Deadpool-style meta-commentary throughout the book. Um, right, 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 And right. There, it's a great sequence where you're like, oh, Crush is going to be like Lobo, but younger, a little bit more, um, I guess, more reckless in a way. But then we get this great, these great sweet moments where Crush um, is trying to really connect with her girlfriend and sort of blows it, and really great. Yeah, blows it. I really good- like that. Yeah, I really like the way they kind of like showed Crush, you know, like after she saved a day so quickly being so awkward and ruining the day. It was a real kind of fun way to show a character uh, without kind of like telling. I I really thought this was a a solid first issue and kind of like intro into this kind of new world we're going to be exploring with both of them. My favorite, absolute favorite part of the book is when Crush said, Hey, little dude, you want to follow the great North Car and find your friend? Alex got the Finding Nemo quotes on lock. Does not much. even need to look it up. This guy <laughs> wow. loves, this guy loves Nemo. First the off. seas at Epcot Center many times. Flex, Disney Flex. They have a crush experience where you can interact with crush, an animated crush. It's amazing. I don't know how they do it. Everyone's favorite character from the Finding Nemo, the very calm turtle. (laughs) This is a very good book. I enjoyed it a lot. Let's move on and talk about the Amazing Spider-Man numbers. All three of us liked it. Stop shouting. The Amazing Spider-Man number 67 from Marvel, written by Nick Spencer, art by Marcelo Ferreira and Carlos Gomez. In this issue, we're picking up on some long-forgotten plot threads from the Spider-Man mythos, specifically that Spider-Man's parents came back, but they were robots, and they were created by the chameleon, among other things. Um, I'll tell you what, I 
this title is still a little all over the place in terms of the things that are going on. There's a lot happening here. But the yeah. main things with the chameleon and Spider-Man's sister, where she, and this is a big spoiler for the book, but she is trying to find out for the chameleon, am I also fake? Did you also create me like you created Spider-Man's fake parents? Is great. I love revisiting yeah. this plot line that everybody kind of hates and kind of forgotten about and making it very emotionally grounded in what's currently going on in the Spider-Man books. I agree. I like this. It's poking at areas of uh, the Spider-Man universe that aren't super, like, well-loved or haven't been in the past. So I like trying to scrape out these interesting characters and pieces and seeing what comes of it. Silver Sable popping in. Very excited about that. One yeah, I was going to say. Also with the, like, 80s headband, too. I mean, that's just fantastic. That's classic Sable right there. Oh, yeah. She's yeah, never taken it off. Exactly. And when you yeah. live, when you stick with your headband through mm-hmm. the 80s, 90s, aughts, and then to, all the way to today. If she teams, tried to take it off, it would probably take some of her skin with it. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm there for. Just and you're showering I- with it. I, I'm hoping you're going to start rocking the sable uh, uh, headband, man. I think that'd be a good look for you. Do you think goatee headband is where? Yeah, I'm dude, come on. Uh, tennis racket? I don't know. <laughs> I'm, hang, hang around at playgrounds, doing oh. uh, doing oh. stretches on the playground equipment. <laughs> Alex, Alex, what too happened? far. Yeah. Okay. DC Horror presents The Conjuring, The Lover, number one from DC Comics, written by David L. Johnson, McGoldrick, and Rex Ogle, and Scott Snyder, art by Mike Spicer, Dennis Cowan, and Dave Johnson. So this is a number of short tales set in the Conjuring universe. Full disclosure, I've never seen a Conjuring movie, never seen any of the Annabelle movies, haven't seen The Nun or anything like that. But I really like this book. I thought the... Uh, short horror stories were very good and fun and unique. There's a lot of ancillary material where they do fake ads for products, so it feels like an old comic book. Um, I honestly went into this not wanting to like it, and I was very much won over by the end. What do you think, Justin? Um, yeah, I like this as well. I also am not a big Conjuring verse dude, so this was sort of a real walk into it, but I really like the detail um, that they put into it, and they were able to sort of start um, whatever, the, I don't know how connected it is to the rest of the world, but the point they started at and really work outward from there, I really liked. I also didn't see The Nun, but I saw Sister Act 1 and 2. Uh, mm. But yeah, oh, this back in the habit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But One uh, of the great it, sequel titles of all time. I agree, agree. Um, I, I think that, you know, if you like Conjuring, you'll like this book. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Well, there, there you go. It's, it's true. <laughs> North Force number zero from Image Comics by Eric Larson. Uh, this is <laughs> taking Savage Dragon, seeing if he wants to join together with the Savage Dragon versus preeminent Canadian, Canadian. Super, superhero team. Um, yeah, this is this is fine. <laughs> what did you guys think about this? Now, let's to just lay a little groundwork. Savage Dragon has been going on for our entire lives, essentially. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, still going. The amount of like groundwork that's been laid by Eric Larson is wild. And this book looks and feels like a like a classic comic book, like a Silver Age comic. Um, and so that's nice. But this book is like Savage Dragon joins North Force, and they're like they fight some people, some rock dudes. Fun. And then they're like, all right, we're going to go into space. And Savage Dragon's like, I can't. I have a, I have kids. 
And they're like, well, you shouldn't be on this team at all. Why are you even here? Why is this a comic book? Is essentially what they say at the end of the book. And I was like, what? What is this? My favorite part is when Eric Larson is basically speaking to the diehard fans of Savage Dragon who are asking, why didn't North Forest come to all of these other things that happened if they're this the national team that protects all of Canada. And they just run down like 30 different things that happened over Savage Dragon. And they're like, nope, we were fighting some B-men. Nope, we were doing this other thing. Nope, yeah. we were busy there. And I was like, all right, you don't actually need to do any of this. This is fine. Nobody is asking these questions. Uh, Maybe some yeah, people are. I don't know. I the guess. way they were like, Freak Force was there. And I was like, right, I remember all these things. But I don't uh, remember them very well. It's a zero issue, so you don't have to pick it up. But... The, the breakdowns of the character in the back are fun. They it sure was are. Cool. Next up. And ben- I'll tell Eric, Eric, sorry, but one last thing. Eric Larson's stuff reminds me of when I was a kid creating comic book characters. It has that same vibe where it's just like pure creation. If you like that, then uh, I think dipping your toe into the Larson verse is, is Dipping in. Batman Fortnite zero point number four from DC Alex, Comics concept yes, by Alex. Donald Mustard, written by Christos Gage, art by Bradley Brown. Uh, so we've talked about every issue of this book, and I am so much more into this than I thought I would be. In this issue, Batman has come out of the storm that has kept him silent for three issues. Found Catwoman being held hostage by Deathstroke. Things are not quite what they seem, and they find out much more about this mystery about what's going on here. Um, This is great. I almost wish they had stayed silent for the entire run because I was loving those first three issues so much. But uh, this is still really good. And Gage is finding such a good emotional grounding in the Bat-Cat relationship that it's really keeping me going through this whole thing. Yeah, it is like I'm so happy that we, we do the show because uh, old Pete, who would just go to the comic book shop and look at covers and then decide, like, oh, maybe I'll check this out, maybe I won't. I would have never picked this up. But I am so glad that I did. This book is so much better than the title gives it credit for. The Having Batman just kind of like trying to solve the Fortnite thing is just so great and so very cool. Uh, I'm Yeah, I'm having a blast. I really like it because Batman is actually getting to do some of the more nuanced Batman stuff we've seen yeah, in a long time. Yeah, detective like, work. He's a little bit of a detective. He's getting to be a badass, but he's also taking a step back and being like, uh, okay, well, you tell me what's going on. Like, you, you get to see him sort of really playing the situation out when yeah. so much of Batman these days is like, I have this, or I'm fucked and I don't have this, and then yeah. pulling it out at the and end. I'm so, like, punch this, this is cool. Yeah. There's also a great classic Batman moment in there where he has come out of the storm blast. The, all of these people have been here for years trying to figure out what's going on in this weird island that they're trapped on, and he starts giving orders, and somebody says, wait, why are you going to give orders? And there's just a paddle of him glaring at them, and they're like, all yeah. right, go ahead. Whatever he you doesn't even have yeah. to say, I'm Batman? He just gives the look that says, I'm Batman, and they immediately respond. Uh, yeah. And Fish Guy's like, whoa. And whoa. the other part, one with the thing is just like, yeah. okay, you're in charge, yeah, Batman. Yeah, then they start doing like some Fortnite dances or whatever they do. Exactly, I don't know. which I, I know, know about. Mm-hmm. I know about that. I'm young. Basilisk number one from Boom Studios, written by Cullen Bud, art by Jonas Sharp. Pete, you're losing your mind today. Enthusiasm. It's amazing. Dude, I'm not usually a bunhead, but I really love this book. I thought this was like a really solid first issue, unbelievable art. 
like really cool beginning. Um, a lot of violence, a lot of gore, a lot of creepy crows. I think this is very cool. A lot of great character design. Uh, I think this is very interesting and does a great job of setting up this world. Justin, yeah, what about I, you? What did you think about this? I'm book? not usually a cull shitter, uh, Cullen Bunn fan, <laughs> who is what we're really uh, called. Uh, no, I, I like this a lot a as well. A cull shitter? Yeah, <laughs> like bullshitter, but cull. Oh, okay. Thought of it, thought of it just now, not, not uh, pre-planned. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I like this as a good like intro to uh, a, a horror story built around... It has like sort of superhero team elements, I feel like, here, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I like where it begins, especially. I thought the intro was really cool and doesn't tell us much about what's happening at all. But really, yeah, but the art the by Jonas Scharf is very good and the characters are very clearly delineated. I like this as well. Next up, The Swamp Thing, number four from DC Comics, written by oh, Rand yeah. V, art by Mike Perkins. This oh, is yeah. the second issue of this arc where the new Swamp Thing has been taken inside of the green. Of course, things are very wrong. May have something to do with Jason Woodrow, that rap scallion. That guy, bad. Man. When it comes uh, to trees, this is tree. so good. I, I know I said this the last issue, but it really struck me again this issue that this feels like DC's response to Immortal Hulk. There's a lot mm. of crazy, over the top designs and horror elements going on here. At the same time, Ram V is really digging into the history of Swamp Thing in a very specific way in this issue. We get flashbacks of classic Swamp Thing comics. Um, this is really, really good. And of course, Mike Parkin, Perkins' art is fantastic as well, particularly the big, wild, over-the-top creatures that he's drawing. I'm uh, really becoming a V-head here. Uh, I uh, This issue, it really grabbed my attention. I have been... I've been like, oh, this is really cool. I like this new introdu- uh, introduction of Swamp Thing, but this really clicked in for me. I thought this was really fun and a great use of Ivy. Uh, really fantastic last page reveal and can't say enough about the art and the panel design. Very creative, really well done. I'm super on board now. I agree. I like this a lot. I like the way we're getting... Uh Old Swamp Thing um, sort of sadly being uh, stuck there, and then it happens to be a memory from the green. Like, all that stuff really feels like they're building a mythology um, that I really like. Reminds me of early Starman, one of my favorite books from DC uh, from back in the day. Yeah, I'm really becoming a ram shitter, I gotta say. Yeah, shit rams! That, That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Rick and Morty, Rick's New Hat, number one from Oni Press, written by Alex Fire, art uh, by Fred C. Stressing. In this book, Rick gets a new hat. Yep. Uh, yes, very fun. Love Band-Aid Planet. I feel like I I could go to Band-Aid Planet. This is, we've talked about a couple of these Rick and Morty books, and this is, I think, the wildest one so far. There are so many ideas coming fast and furious here. Yeah. Uh, they're all very fun. They're all enjoyable. The tone is right. The characters are right. Um, but it definitely feels almost like reading a fever dream in a certain way, um, which yeah. I liked. I enjoyed it at the end of the day. Uh, shout yeah. out to the writer Alex, who we had on the show mm-hmm. um, during pandemic, probably like about a year ago or nine months ago. Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed this. I think it, it really just feels like it is the cartoon just put on a comic. Uh, it's it very much they nail the character voices and it really feels like just a kind of another a tale in that world. I think it, it fits great. So uh, well done. 
Batman number 109 from DC Comics, written by James Tynion IV. Again, art by Jorge Menez and Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. Here, Batman is dealing with a bunch of threats. The main one seems to be the Scarecrow. There's also the Unsanity Collective. There's Simon Saint, a new businessman in town. Don't trust those businessmen. We finally get the unveiling of the thing that was teased in DC Future State. We see the beginnings of the Magistrate program with Peacekeeper number one, and it might be more than Batman can handle. Um, this is it continues to be a phenomenal run that is adding new mythology to Batman, which is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, I think it it is layering in new stuff at a nice pace. Uh, I really love the art. Again, great Ivy stuff. Um I, I I feel like the the Harley seems like a key to making helping this whole thing, which is great. And I like the evil cyborg that uh, cop that uh, trying to arrest Batman and uh, the ghost ghost maker like in here has been a nice kind of like fun, different thing from Batman's past that comes back. And I also really love the art style for the ghost uh, ghost maker uh, backup story. So, yeah, I thought this was a great book. It's very funny to me that Ghostmaker is being set up as like Batman with with little brother energy. Yeah, like right. Being like I have a I have a dinosaur too, and it's like a little bit bigger. Like, yeah, come yeah. on, <laughs> that's really fun. Uh, and the sort of pissing contest that's going on between them. Um, that's something we haven't seen before, despite the fact that we have like the Robin Batman dynamic. So it is like James Tynion is so good at like finding the little slivers that, of the Batman mythology that hasn't been covered before and doing a great job. And I love the Batman future state stuff and the fact that they're actually incorporating it into the universe. Yes. It's very cool. Next up, The Invincible Red Sonia, number two from Dynamite, written by Jamie Pamiotti and Amanda Connor, art by Moritat. In this, Red Sonia is doing her Red Sonia thing, protecting a princess so that she can make it to her wedding day. Things go, of course, wildly wrong. Oh, weddings are attack. so stressful. But this yeah. is... And I say this in the best way, exactly what you would expect from a Jimmy Pamiani, Amanda Connor, Morita, exactly, yeah. Red Sonia book. It delivers on that promise with big action, a little bit of titillation going on there as well. Mm. Um, but it's it's fun. It's enjoyable to read. It's a good adventure. And I'm really into this book. Yeah, I, I love think, it when okay. Alex slips into titillation voice. That's when yeah, I know wherever it is. <laughs> so creepy. Southern gentleman titillation. No, don't say gentleman. There's nothing gentlemanly about his oh, voice. Southern gentleman. Oh my god, you're hey. a creep show. Get back to your van. <laughs> uh, I feel like the this is just kind of like a perfect balance of like, oh, we'll give you a little bit of TNA, but that's not what this is about. I'm really glad it's very character driven and focuses on the adventures. I think they do a great job in this book of kind of like um, uh, balancing the story and the art in a kind of a fun way where they're like, they're in on it. So yeah. And it's got a nice sprinkle of humor, which you don't normally get in a Sonya book. So yeah, I think this is fun. They're, they're a good uh, match for this book. The Moritad art is so good. Yes. It really gives it the right tone. And I agree. This is a fun story. I'm excited to see where it goes. Next up, Green Lantern, number three from DC Comics, written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Tom Rainey and Marco Santucci. 
I cannot believe where we are with this book in the third issue. I know we've talked about it each time, but there are just some huge, wild, big swings going on in this book. At the end of the second issue, uh, we got the big swing that after the Green Lanterns had joined the United Federation of Planets or whatever they're calling it, uh, Oa was basically blown up. They blew up the central battery. Everybody lost their Green Lantern power. And then, of course, the big tease at the end was the Green Lantern from Far Sector showed up right at the end there. And Pete, she was a big part of this issue. What did you think about it? Well, I I want less other Green Lanterns and more Far Sector. So I mm-hmm. feel like they're finally getting there, which I'm excited about. But it's like, yeah, you guys suck, and the floating shirt tail people suck, so let's focus on the good stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. Pete, what did you think about the part where she died? Come on, that didn't happen, so don't Yeah, she died me. in the book. She got killed. No, she, this no, is what no. I'm talking about with the big swings. I mean, you know that because you read the book, whether that that, that happened, right, Pete? Are you having fun, subs? I'm you having, having a good time. time. Great. Uh, <laughs> I I really love um, uh, the Far Sector Green Lantern, Joe, uh, and the fact that she has uh, one of the last Green, Green Lanterns whose ring is active. And to, to bring her right to the center of the Green Lantern uh, story right now is great. Um, it, this was like a wild issue with a lot of like uh, realities being shifted, and we don't know what's actually happening with Jon Stewart. It felt very Star Trek The Next Generation, um, some oh, of the bigger episodes of that show. Uh, with shattered realities and a character being sort of living an entire lifetime in um, in a virtual reality, essentially. Um, and to Green Lantern, I feel like in the DC universe has been sort of off to the side for a while. It hasn't really been uh, doing it since ever since they introduced the spectrum of different lanterns. We haven't seen a lot of big swings there. So to your point, Alex, to see this really being like, no, let's shatter everything and have all these different Green Lanterns having to fight their way back to prominence. Love it. Yeah, I I really like the John Stewart story, but that almost felt very separate. What was going on with Far Sector Joe and everything back on Oa, uh, and that even though that was technically the backup story, that was the thing that got me excited. I almost wish that was the book because just to spoil what goes on here, you have Joe. She has a different sort of ring that is empowered by the central battery. She gets teen lantern who has a gauntlet that is empowered by the central battery. Baz has his own thing. He's always carried a gun because he's like, what if my ring fails? So she's putting together this team of like, off-brand lanterns who are still the ones who could defend the universe. And I love that idea. Super into this team up. Love this team. I think this is very cool. There's a tease that Hal Jordan still has some of his power at the end and is going to get mixed in in some way. And I love that. It's so good that it takes away from the John Stewart story for me a little bit because the John Stewart story, to your point, is like, this is a really good John Stewart story. And then the backup is like, Oh shit, this is where it is. This is where like the game changers are going on. So yeah. I don't know. Still a really good book. I'm very impressed by this, particularly because people have been so hooked into what Jeff Johns did with Green Lantern for so many years. To change it up in a big way is really smart. And I like that quite a bit. Next up, Bliss number eight from Image Comics, written by oh, Sean Lewis, art by Caitlin Yarsky. This is the last Here issue of this go. book, which we've been enjoying oh. quite a bit. There's a little bit of wrap up here. Yeah. In terms of the main story where the dad is being confronted by everybody that he's wronged over the course of his life. Oh, my God. Uh, it has a kind of sad ending. And then there's a very confessional portion from Sean Lewis at the end there yeah. that is absolutely beautiful. 
Um, I was very surprised and stunned in a good way by this last issue. How'd you guys feel? Yeah, I was really shocked. I, I thought it was well done, though. And then you guys, uh, you know, since you have kids, you should read this comic with them uh, because of that touching thing at the end. It like all just makes sense. But I, I think this ended really well. And then not only did it end well, but also we got a little behind the curtain kind of like show of the heart behind the story idea, which was so touching and well done. Um yeah, I I I became more impressed with this comic uh, as time went on, and it really ended in such a great way. I agree. the The sort of back matter um, comic text piece I thought was so good and so like strong, and it really uh, helped to make to sort of give us more context for the main uh, story that we've read in yeah. all these issues leading up to this one. So like really enjoyed this to land on something that is that personal and still told in comic comic book form I thought was great also we got a uh, the art is just phenomenal from the very beginning till here it's just uh, so so well done Great book. Definitely pick it up or collect it and trade when it eventually comes out on that. Next up, Noctera, number four from Image Comics, written by Scott Snyder, art by Tony S. Daniel. In this issue, our main two characters are still trying to get away from Blacktop Bill. They're getting much closer to potentially some sort of sanctuary. They don't exactly know. And meanwhile, the main character's brother is being uh, turned into a shade, which is very bad. This book is great, though. It's so tense. Tony S. Daniels' art is so good, and it's big action and big ideas at the exact same time. I agree. It's it's really good. And when Scott was telling us about this book uh, before he launched it, it felt like something like, oh, is this like a side project? Like, why are you doing this? And it's just like a just a great standalone comic book that um, fun world, fun story. And it just seems like he can't miss. Yeah, I, I also really like the kind of backstory we get uh, with kind of the main character here as we're kind of building this stuff out. And it's uh, I feel like touching in all the right ways, but also like this re- this reveal of like how important sunshine is is such a like a crazy place to end it uh, or end this I- issue. I, yeah, I think I get a handle on what's going on. And then Scott's like, no, 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 you don't know the story yet. So it's really impressive how this is like building all with a ton of action, kind of like the story keeps unfolding. I think this is a great comic, unbelievable art. Pete, you don't like sunshine? Um, Sure. Uh, you know, you just got to be careful with it. You know what I mean? You can get mm-hmm. burned. nobody has put on sunscreen at any point in this book which is very weird to me yeah yeah. very weird last but not least deadly class number 46 from image comics written by rick mender art by wes craig in this issue we're getting some flashbacks flash forwards flash sideways lots of stuff going on here as we check in with our main characters years later as well as years before Justin, I think you're the number one Deadly Class fan. Also, Justin, does this make you miss your yacht? I know you're just, you know, minutes off of it, but like, you know. Yeah, but we're building a yacht into my backstory here on this podcast. Um, I do. I think this is great. Like in the the, on the letters page, Rick Remender talks about how this is the book that sort of keeps him going. And uh, like they put all of their everything they have into this book. And it really shows on the page. 
And with how the way they tell the story, there's just so much going on in every issue. Like you said, Alex, there's we're telling different time periods from these characters. And even if you're a casual Deadly Class fan, you can there's still there's still power in the story there. If you don't know exactly what they're talking about. And then the last sequence here is horrifying, and our main characters are monsters, uh, but it's them getting revenge for um, something that they do set up in this issue as well as uh, in other issues. Like, it's just really great storytelling, and the Wes Craig art is great. And they still have time to talk about music, which seems to be at the, the yes. very core of this guy. Yes. I love the music banter that they kind of sprinkle in. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't agree with more with you, Justin. I, I really, I love the art style and the just kind of Rick Remender, like violence, no character is too pressure, uh, too precious. Like you, you don't know what's going to happen when you're reading a Rick Remender book. And it, it, it's kind of a fun thing. But Justin, I want to ask real quick, something they touched upon in the book that I wanted to yeah, how important is boat shoes? You know what I mean? Because like, uh, if a noob gets on a yacht, like you know, I don't want to look stupid. Like, do are boat shoes like a must-have? Like, what would you say? Anybody on a boat should just have no shoes. Oh, so, like, okay. boat shoes are people who don't actually know what they're doing in a boating. Mm-hmm. And as long as you need to do two things: no shoes, keep your bathing suit on, three things, and know how to tie the boat up when you land. <laughs> Pete, I'm a little bit of a noob when it comes to this stuff. Are boat shoes little shoes that look like boats, or are they shoes you wear on a boat? Yeah, they're special white people's shoes that uh, uh, that uh, white rich people buy. That you know, so, so that when they go yachting, that's like they don't get the deck or whatever messy or something like that. No, because well, Alex, I saw Alex walk out of a shoe store with two uh, jet skis on his feet, and he just yeah. stepped yeah. on the water and went. Woo! Yeah, it was pretty cool. Careful. It was fun stuff. And if you'd like to support my jet ski shoe habit, <laughs> patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about boat shoes or whatever you want to talk about. I mean, or maybe other which, stuff. Maybe other we should stuff. be we should be clear. Not all of the money goes to his uh, boat habit. You know, some of it Just goes like to my 95 percent top. Yeah, but some of it goes to our candy habit, too. So it's not all in. Check out Candyman, our Sweet Tooth okay. podcast in its own feed, guys. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, good night. Shout out to the bunheads out there. <laughs> they want to be, they'll blow your mind.